This is Tommy's Outdoors 91, tommysoutdoors.com. Rewilding is a subject that I talk quite often in the recent episode of the podcast with my guests, and it's no different in this episode. Once again, we're going to talk about reintroduction of species once extirpated from their native range, and specifically about beavers. Uh, my guest and your guest today is Chris Jones, Restoration Director at Beaver, Stru- Beaver Trust, and uh, obviously we started uh, talking about Beaver Trust, how it was found and why, and what projects they're running at the moment, uh, and, and how that reintroductions of beavers is going. Uh, but the main part of the podcast is our conversation about beavers, their life history, their ecology, the impact they have on the environment, uh, how they're impacting other species that they're sharing the environment with, and, and stuff like that. So, if you're interested in this subject... Bringing back species once extirpated, specifically beavers, you want to learn about beavers, this is definitely an episode for you. And as usual, before I let you enjoy this episode of Tommy's Outdoors, uh, remember to like, share, rate, leave comments. Uh, This is all helping greatly. Um, Whatever you're listening, whether you're listening to audio-only version of this podcast or whether you're watching that on YouTube, uh, any sort of engagement helps me, helps the algorithm, and ultimately helps me a lot to put more episodes like this in the future. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, Chris Jones and Beaver Trust. Okay, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this. Well, thanks for asking me, Tony. <laughs> Very good. Uh, listen, um, I was following for some time the, uh, let's say, beaver. So how it started for me, I, I was following a beaver situation, let's call it, in Scotland. And then, you know, one step, step to the next step to the next step, I come across beaver trust and I come across your work that you're doing. And then I start learning more about beavers and then I watch uh, Beavers Without Borders, uh, the, the, the film. And so I'm hoping to talk about all of that. But before, before we start, can you just, to give a context, tell us what Beaver Trust is, why it was founded, and how it was founded? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, uh, Beaver Trust is, a, is a, a charity. It's a very typical, uh, I guess, environmental charity. Um, and we started... Uh, about 18, 19 months ago. And um, uh, we met uh, initially, uh, uh, three of us met about uh, March 2019 or so. And um, it was uh, a chap called Ian Beath and James Wallace and myself. And we we met for for a coffee and um, uh, with a view to talking about creating a new uh, environmental um, charity and um, uh, uh, the the thought originally was amongst uh, James and Ian was that they would create a new charity to look at uh, wildlife on farms because uh, British farm wildlife has been really badly uh, affected by uh, farming methods and so on over, over the last uh, uh, number of decades 
and uh, a lot of things were in steep decline. Um, and I said, look, there's, there's people already doing this. You know, there, there are plenty of people in that arena. Where we need to be is uh, in the realm of beavers. And not just because of the animals themselves, but because of what comes with them. You know, beavers restore the ecological function of uh, rivers and streams, particularly in headwaters. Um, and uh, because uh, streams and rivers, they go where they go. They have no respect for political um, boundaries. Uh, uh, they, they just go everywhere. Um, and so straight away, there's a very great uh, potential for using rivers as a basis for nature recovery networks, which is a, a, a big part of um, uh, the UK government's um, environmental plan going forward. So it seems to me that beavers were a very, very good way of uh, achieving that, uh, along with protecting river buffers uh, and making our rivers better again. Gotcha, gotcha. So it was all, all hinged around beavers from the very start. Very, very quickly, yes. I mean, we, we did talk about the other things a bit, but I, I, I just kept on saying, you know, uh, uh, beavers is a place there is no there is no NGO looking after them particularly, and uh, there will be very big uh, benefits uh, from getting this species back. You know, I, I'm generally not a single single species person, but uh, the effects of the beavers, uh, especially in headwaters, are that they create habitat uh, for so many other other uh, uh, plants and animals, and. Um, you know, I can tell you, uh, we have some beavers here on my farm, and we have seen the most extraordinary uh, uh, gains uh, environmentally. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's fairly young, eighteen months. It's fair. It's fairly young. Um, it's not even two years. I didn't know that. But very very young. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, it's um, it, it's it's something that probably should have happened. I guess 10 years ago, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes things just take time and uh, sometimes it takes, you know, some individual people thinking that way for something to, to start off. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk about now beavers as a species, right? Um, because they're, they're rodents, they're aquatic rodents. So they're a little bit like a um, swimming rat on steroids. But they have a certain set of uh, habits that make them unique. So can you just from the biological and ecological perspective, talk to us through uh, beavers, you know, how their, their habitat, their life history, like as yeah. an animal? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, these animals, um, they are, as you say, aquatic rodents. Um, they are... Uh, herbivorous, uh, the second largest rodent in the world. Um, two species, one in North America, one in Europe. Um, oh, they're different. Uh, uh, to, yes, they are very different, uh, apart from to look at. Um, uh, when I say different, they're, they're different genetically. They will not interbreed, or it'll be very, very hard to get them to interbreed. Um, oh, really? That's, that's yes. interesting. So, so uh, um, the, the American beaver, believe it or not, is slightly smaller than the European beaver, um, and they, they um, uh, otherwise they behave in almost identical ways. Uh, they can live perfectly well in a lake or a big river, um, uh, or in the very, very smallest of streams. 
all people need to to do well is water and food. They need to have, uh, say, uh, about a meter of depth of water uh, as a minimum, so they can have a, a place where they can have an, a concealed underwater entrance to their uh, lodge. Mm-hmm. Now, if they've got a big river to live in, they didn't need to build any dams. Okay, so but if they're a small river, you know, say they've only got uh, ten centimeters of water, they will build a dam to make the depth of water they need to live. Oh, okay. So, uh, so that's why they do that. You know, beavers are very like us. They're capable of working really, really hard, but if they don't have to work really hard, they're happy not to. Uh-huh. You know. Uh, gotcha. So, so, so uh, the perfect place is in a big river or a big lake where they don't have to do any extra work making dams. Now, uh, so that they they have this dam to protect their lodge, but also the beaver likes to swim everywhere. It doesn't want to walk across land. It's quite slow on land and is vulnerable to predators. And in the beaver's head, it lives in a world where there are uh, wolves and bears and lynx and this kind of thing. Uh, And so the the dry land is a dangerous place for a beaver to be. And they will come out of the water, but maybe only go maybe 20 meters from the water to find some nice food, but not much more, you know, very little uh, 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 going beyond that kind of distance. So, Uh, The impacts of the beaver tend to be very close to the water. But if they detect uh, some really tasty food just a little bit further away, they might then begin to dig a canal from the water out to that food so they can swim to that food uh, and eat and then swim back. Or indeed, they might be moving things back along the canal. You know, they might be bringing branches or something like that back into the water. Um, so, so that's that's that side of things. Um, I think I said they're herbivorous. Uh, and the action of, of creating these uh, ponds in headwaters where previously there's not very much water uh, lying about is that it lets a lot of other species take advantage of that. So what we found here is that um, you know, we had lots of small fish in our stream. Now we've got quite a lot of quite big fish and the fish are getting bigger because they've got food and they've got water um, that the beavers create habitat for all sorts of, of things. Um, uh, we found um, a greater range of dragonflies, for example. Uh, and that, that, that's very much related to the range of habitats that the beavers are creating and the amount of water they're creating. Um, we're finding that uh, we have new birds on the site and we have eight bird records that we didn't have before. Now, uh, one or two of those bird records may be entirely coincidental, but most of them are birds that need a lot of water or they need something special that the beaver does. So for example, we have uh, willow tits now. Now willow tits, this is the fastest declining woodland bird in Britain. They're very common in Poland where you've got lots of beavers. but in, in, uh, in Britain, we don't have very many at all. And we think it's because there is less and less deadwood in the environment. Um, and the yeah. beavers, because they fell trees, they create a lot of deadwood. Right, right. And that's a great thing for them. Um, because there's more water and more fish, you get more kingfishers and herons and cormorants. Um, you get birds uh, like um, 
green sandpipers and um, uh, uh, shoveler ducks, for example. We've, both, we've had both of those on our place because they like um, inland pools for certain times of the year uh, rather than living on the coast. So, you know, we, we've created there something which is really, really good for those, uh, for those birds. Um, and we've also seen more mammals as well. Um, in particular, um, we've seen a, a lot of water shrews, which we had very few of before, but we now seem to have a lot. And we have um, polecats, which we didn't really have before. Oh. And we see the polecats there quite frequently. And our, and our polecat is, is a, a very good predator of rats and where you get fresh water, you tend to get lots of rats as well. So the polecats are doing really well there. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of things going on. Um, uh, we have amazing bat numbers um, and we've got quite a long-term study of bats going on now. And uh, we, we have really, really big numbers and not just big numbers, but a great diversity of bats. I think we're up to nine species of bats now feed either directly over or very close to where those beaver ponds are now, um, right. which is really exciting. You know, it's, it's like, I like to say that what the, what the beavers do in terms of biodiversity, if you imagine you have a river and it, it, has, it has wildlife in it, and, and let's say we say, okay, the river is a place where there's, there's like a little fire of wildlife. You add beavers to it, it's like, pouring petrol onto that fire. <laughs> I mean, I really, it, it, it is staggering how much. And how, how long, and how long does it take uh, for that fire to, to, you know, have a big massive flames? In other words, how, how long, you know, those, those uh, impacts that you're, that you're just told us about how, how long it takes from the moment you're introducing mm. beavers and they start building their dams and, yeah. and how much, how long you take to, to yeah. take to I, see the I, effect. I, I think that, I think there's a lot of factors, but what we saw here was basically within uh, one year, within a year, we began to see some really interesting things, some really exciting things. Um, and that has just increased since then. Um, and one of what I think one of the big impacts of the beavers is, because they slow the water down so much inside their ponds, um, the water is moving so slowly, especially in the summer, that algae can begin to form. Um, and you get quite a lot of algae in the water. Uh, and in the summer, the water becomes quite cloudy. And of course, algae, this is the, the basis of all our aquatic food chains. So it's like you're, you're just making... You're just making soup for wildlife to grow off. You know, uh, where you get algae, you get things that eat algae and so on and so on and so on until you've got some nice big sort of... Uh, um, uh, uh, bit, Small fish and bigger fish and uh, massive it, fish. Ex exactly so, yes. And, you know, we found uh, eels, for example. I'm, I'm not, I've never seen such a big freshwater eel before. Um, huh. ne nearly a metre long, I tell you, just massive. Um, we've seen um, grass snakes and grass snakes... Uh, a specialist amphibian eaters. They love frogs and toads. And um, we've had, so we've had breeding grass snakes on the site. Um, and and there's, there's just so much stuff going on. Um, and uh, uh, we, we, are, we are gathering more information all the time. Um, I, I wish we had a team of people uh, that we could just employ to do it because you know, I'm sure we miss things as well. Uh, we're not down there all the time. 
um, but uh, that the, there is stuff going on with that. Um, uh, it, it's 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 a constant a constant thing. New things turn up and. Uh, Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. This is Chris. So, can can you can you tell? Uh, I just want to wind back a little bit and ask you about the differences between European and American beavers, because I presume that in the terms of uh, impact on the environment, they're pretty much the same. So, did did they did they split at some point, evolutionary or like how would how did that happen? Uh, I'm sure they must have done that. Yeah, that when you see them, they are so similar. Yeah, uh, and I suppose it could be just an example of parallel evolution, but they do look so similar. Um, excuse me. The, the difference seems to be in their chromosomes. Uh huh. They have different numbers of chromosomes, which although they're very very similar animals, that's why they can't interbreed successfully. I think in the Soviet Union um, uh, in the fifties, they managed to get some Canadian uh, beavers to mate with European beavers. Um, but the offspring were not healthy and they couldn't breed with anything. And, and it, it, was, it was just too, too right. But you know what the Soviets are like? They, they put enough time into anything if they wanted to try and make it happen. But it, it, it didn't work, sadly. Um, the, after that, the, the difference is, um, as I say, that the uh, American beavers are slightly smaller. And by that, I mean by... Uh, a really, really small amount, just just uh, grams on average. Um, uh, but their, their coat is the same, their teeth are the same, their skeletons look very, very similar. Um, some people say, oh, the, 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 the shape of the face is a, a bit different, um, but uh, I, I can't see it. Um, and if you yeah. if you look at them, and we have we have actually American beavers in Europe, um, uh, in Finland, for example, that there's. Uh, a population that was set up there uh, in, um, I think they came in the 30s, and they were set up there uh, to help kick off a, uh, a, a fur industry. Um, and I think they're quite hard to keep in, in breeding captivity, and they breed quite slowly anyway. So uh, it was the sort of thing, they put them in the wild, and then the idea was they'd harvest them. And um, uh, so they're there, and uh, it, it makes it a bit tricky um, because they're so hard to tell apart, you have to have a, a, a genetic fingerprint taken. Um, so if you if you took if you took beavers from uh, Finland, you would be in some danger of taking not European ones, but but. Uh, oh, uh, that's, that's that's and and they're 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 coexisting with the European counterparts in Finland, or is there only American population in Finland? Uh, no, there, there are European uh, beavers there as well. Um, now. I do not know if anything special happens when they meet. Uh, the beavers are incredibly territorial animals um, as adults, and um, uh, certainly, if if unrelated uh, animals meet, uh, they they would normally fight. And so, I imagine that uh, uh, Canadian and European beavers would probably fight each other as well. All right. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Listen. So. The question I have now is obviously uh, we the the in, in in UK on on the island of Great Britain we there were population of beavers wild population of beavers and can you explain what happened were they extirpated uh, as pests were they extirpated because they were um, exploited commercially for their pelts 
and and like a little bit like like how how that situation developed and how we ended up with having no beaver or close to close to no beavers okay so um the the beaver is a, an incredibly useful animal um you know it has this wonderful fur uh which has got two layers there's a, an outer long uh, hair and then there's an inner much shorter fur uh, which is very dense and it's very waterproof uh and it it felt really well and and so is amazing for making uh hats and fabric with um as well as just being a useful fur in its own right but also um they're quite good to eat uh, there's a lot of meat on a beaver um and um the uh um the glands the uh um, Castor, castorium glands <laughs> yeah they 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 have uh this substance in them which has been used for a variety of things uh, over the centuries um it's been used in um ancient medicine um particularly for treating headaches and that kind of thing uh and it's been used uh as a um a basis for perfume and also for um uh in um uh, believe it or not vanilla essence to use in ice creams and that kind of thing so i so i heard i heard things. that that's a good, good yeah. that's a good thing to people to, who are listening to that to know like a vanilla essence <laughs> comes from from beaver well, just, casters yeah yeah uh and um uh, the uh, the headache thing it, it's because because they eat a lot of willow um and the willow is a basis for aspirin willow bark is <laughs> they, they and and so it concentrates that in its in its uh Uh, in its body and, and it uh, ends up in the glands and so that that is um it, potentially uh, uh, actually a, a, a real uh, way to to stop your headache <laughs> who knows very good very good okay so so what i'm i'm taking from that that they were they were just uh, exploited for commercially that's that's why i i, I think exactly that and um uh, what i suspect is you know a, a beaver is quite a big animal they're relatively easy to find and to catch particularly in the small streams where they're building dams because there's always a telltale place where you know aha if i dig here i bet there's beavers living in that in that big pile of wood and so on um so so uh, they're relatively easy to catch um and so i think a long time ago you know may- maybe maybe thousands of years ago in europe they began to become a little bit scarce and then uh exploited more and more and as as people got smarter about you know the medicine thing for example they became a specialist thing to do um one of the popes back in the 13th or 14th century he declared that beavers were because of its scaly tail that they were really a fish and so they could be eaten on good friday and this kind of thing yeah the catholic church has a lot to answer for <laughs> and uh, uh so so um yeah they 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 really really had everything going against them um and the reason they survived at all was uh magical you know there were certain places um uh in Norway and in the river Elbe in Germany uh down in the south of France in the Rhone delta uh and then in in parts of uh Russia and Belarus very small populations hung on in really remote places where people found it hard to find them um and uh, they just pulled into the into the 19th century and then uh, as as people got a bit smarter 
about science and so on, I think they thought, well, perhaps we should preserve these animals. Um, and initially, I think they preserved them to make them into a, uh, turn them into a resource again for fur and so on. You know, the, the American beavers by then were pretty much gone, um, so they couldn't import it. And uh, so that they, they thought they'd do that. And amazingly, uh, the beavers have recovered now from maybe a, a thousand individuals a, a 120 years ago to uh, in Europe, maybe one and a half million today, something like that. Um, so they are, they're slowly rebuilding. That's a good, that's a good news. Uh, just, just one question about their, their impacts. You mentioned that if they live in uh, big rivers where the depth of the water is, is uh, uh, you know, the water is deeper, uh, they're not built, they're not, not, doing their their stuff they're yeah. not building in dams is it fair to say that then uh they don't have such profound ecological impact in the bigger rivers bigger lakes that's that's well, where uh, that's the um, small ones where we want them yeah th this is something that um i don't know enough about now uh what i would say is uh, the beavers have impacts uh wherever they are and um one of their one of the things that they do is they they burrow and where you've got a big river um, and where that river is protected by flood banks and so on, um, or the land is protected by flood banks, they might potentially burrow through those. And then when there is a flood, water could come straight out uh, from the river into surrounding land. Um, so that, that, that's quite a, quite a, a potentially bad impact. Um, and you know, if it's farmland, you know, it could be a, a potato field or something and suddenly it's under a meter of water, that's not so good. Um, so um, uh, they do have impacts. Now we should ask ourselves, in terms of ecology, what do those what do those impacts mean? Do, does it mean that the floodplain is kept wetter for longer of the year? Um, uh, um, and I, I, I just think we we ought to try and understand that. Um, where we go upstream into where, where dams are being built uh, near the headwaters, then we get a lot of effects by holding up water, a lot of effects which can be useful for society and so on, because we hold water, which is useful uh, for when there are periods of drought, which is becoming more common uh, as we go along with climate change, but also in periods of flood. And again, we seem to be having more floods with climate change as well. Um, uh, if we are holding a lot of water uh, upstream for a little bit longer, then this can help to uh, um, uh, uh, prevent flooding or reduce flooding risk in, in downstream settlements. Um, and so uh, on my little stream, um, we've got a village downstream of us, about two kilometres, and um, we, we have uh, the water from about 5% of our catchment comes through our land and the beavers have got a, a little piece of that, which they've which they've completely altered. Uh, and uh, the, the peak of flood water leaving the beaver area now is much, much lower than the, the peak entering it. And it's not just lower, it's also delayed. So that um, uh, it means that the, the, the contribution to a flood downstream is also delayed. Now it may not be it may not be a big delay, you know, maybe an hour, something like that. But if if it means that we desynchronize the arrival of water from all the other tributaries, that must be having an impact. 
Now, I, I would hesitate to say that my one pair of beavers who live on uh, 200 metres of stream, where 5% of, the, of the, the, the water comes from, I, I couldn't sit here and say, that's why my village hasn't flooded for the last uh, three years, whatever. But what I think I can say is that if we think about having, instead of one pair of beavers on 5%, what if we had 20 pairs of beavers on 100%? How would that look now when we had serious rain? And, and from what we observe, um, I think we could extrapolate there being a a really considerable impact from having uh, uh, lots of pairs of beavers doing their work. No doubt, no doubt. So you have one pair of beavers? Yes. Yes. So so tell me, how is it, is it like, and, and maybe that's a good a good moment to kind of uh, shift gears and start talking about reintroductions about all, all, all these programs. But in your case, does it, is it count, do they count like a, as a wild beavers? Or is it like a kind of like a private collection of yours? No, um, our beavers uh, were uh, both born in captivity. One was born in Devon and one in Wales, uh, and they've been brought down into a new uh, captive situation. So, I mean, they're in a big enclosure where they can exhibit all their normal behaviours, um, but uh, they, 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 they can't just go off and go and live somewhere else uh, if they want to. Um, having said that, the, 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 they've made the territory very, very, very friendly uh, to beavers. There's a lot of water there now. Right, right, right. So, so um, tell me, because I think that the whole discussion really right now revolves around reintroduction of beavers. And, um, you know, I obviously um, talk about rewilding quite often on my episodes, but I'm, I'm just, you know, holding, holding back that word because there's a substantial group of people when you say R word, they just tune out and they don't want to, have to hear anything yeah, yeah, about yeah. it. So, yeah, it, so, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very charged politically, I think, um, rewilding. And, it, and it's a, 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 personally for me, I think it means too many different things to too many people. And I think um, it, it's it's not as useful as, as some ways of looking at this. And I, I I I like to think of restoration of ecological function uh, using using wildlife to 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 restore those those functions, or where wildlife is absent. You know, you know, maybe we do use domestic animals too, but there's nothing like a beaver. There is no substitute. Um, even even people can't do what they do uh, in the same way. So. Um, I think that um, uh, we're, we're in, in a, a place now where because of the incredible pioneering work done in this country over the last 20 years uh, and from learning what's been going on in Europe um, over the last 100 years, we can see, the, I think, that those, those people who can look at it in, in a very dispassionate kind of way can see that the animal brings a great deal back to our environment. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they support a very wide range of other species. Um, they do these incredible societal uh, goods in terms of reducing flooding, um, reducing drought impact. Um, you know, in places which are prone to, to wildfire, they help to uh, reduce the spread of wildfire. Um, 
there's a whole, whole range of things. Um, and because of that, I think we, we almost have a duty to, to, to try to reintroduce this animal. Now, um, uh, currently, it, you could say it is happening because we're, we're uh, getting um, licenses granted by Natural England for, uh, for enclosures such as I've got. Um, uh, there's kind of a moratorium on doing anything bigger than that at the moment. You know, we, we can't just say, okay, this river, this could do with beavers and just bring lots of beavers to that river and just let them go to go where they want to. That, that, that's not, not uh, in the rules at the moment. But we have got uh, examples of rivers in this country where there are uh, wild beavers living, albeit in small numbers. Um, there's otter. In, in Devon, um, there's a river Tamar between Devon and Cornwall, uh, and there's a river Stour in Kent, um, and there are one or two others as well, where there are, let's say, <clears throat> um, um, up to up to maybe low hundreds of beavers living um, uh, in, in Kent, particularly they've been living in Kent now for, gosh, um, uh, probably 15 years plus um, living wild there. And this is this is great news, and we we don't hear about it generally because there are not many disasters coming from it. Uh, and I think that in itself is is a really strong message: is that uh, we these animals can be in our countryside and live very close to us, and many of us may never ever be aware that they're there. Um, you know, they, they just they just go in the water and they do beaver stuff. Now sometimes it's very obvious by them say cutting down trees. Um, but if you don't walk by the river, you'll never see that. Um, and sometimes they can cause floods by, say, blocking up a, a, um, a ditch or a culvert or something, and suddenly there's water where there wasn't before. Um, but I think that all of the all the impacts they create, if we want to, we can manage those. You know, uh, we, we've we've done it here just on a few trees, just to show it can be done by painting. A mixture of sand and glue onto a tree, the beavers won't touch that because it hurts their teeth. So they they won't. So there's a tree that's protected. Um, you can also wrap wire around them. Um, uh, you can reduce the level of a of a pond. You know, if 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 uh, if too much land is being flooded, let's say, you can just put a pipe through the pond, which reduces the level of the pond. Um, uh, there are uh, if if you've got let's say you've got a field of of potatoes next to the river and the beavers are eating the potatoes you just put a small electric fence there and that will deter them so there are lots and lots of things we can do if we if we want to now that's a bit different than than the government saying okay we're going to reintroduce these animals now um now i personally think that the that the impacts of climate change are so severe um there should be a, a conscience a conscious and logical and prioritized, uh, mindful way of bringing these animals back. And um, uh, I think in most countries uh, around the world, including Europe, the government would probably have quite a bit to do with that. Um, they certainly did in, in Germany. Uh, and um, it needn't be very expensive um, to do. Uh, it does need to be done uh, carefully so we don't put them in a place where they are definitely going to cause problems. I mean, there are one or two rivers in our country where I really think 
you would be uh, taking quite a big risk by putting beavers there. So, so there are some players I'd say, okay, let's let's not do that. Let, let's let's put them in places, for example, in the west of the country, like um, uh, Cornwall and Devon and Somerset and, and so on, where they can cause relatively little harm, um, but actually also do a lot of good. And I think again, we can select those rivers where, for example, flooding is a problem. Um, so my own my own river is definitely a good one to put beavers because the village downstream has been flooded many times. Um, and there, there are a lot of small places uh, around the country, just villages, you know, where no one's ever going to spend millions to protect them with concrete walls and so on because they're too small. Uh, but we put these animals out there and they can begin to make a big contribution uh, uh, to so, no, 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 never mention the fact that it's much better to create the habitat for all those animals rather than put oh, their concrete walls. There, there is no, <laughs> because we see these examples of these, these I know, tunnels. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, there's absolutely no doubt at all. Uh, if we look at uh, biodiversity, there is nothing like a beaver for helping. Yeah. You know, the, Chris, the, tell me for, for our listeners and for me as well, that situation that you're uh, described, this is this is. Uh, specific to England or England and Wales, so this is kind of separate in what's happening in Scotland. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, the, w- wildlife and wildlife management and, and uh, all those functions are devolved in England, Wales, and Scotland. So, um, uh, what's happening in Scotland, and in particular the conflict around beavers on on the, the River Tay, it is uh, completely a Scottish responsibility. And what happened basically was. Uh, um, uh, some beavers escaped I- in Scotland from private collections, if you like, a place like mine or places like mine. And the countryside and the rivers were just great for beavers. And they they set up shop and uh, had, a, had a, a very nice time and um, began to make more beavers uh, and so on. And, and the numbers have gradually spread. So there are there are now, we think, uh, several hundreds of beavers uh, living wild on the River Tay. Now, th- th- these are small numbers. Uh, in Poland today, there are tens of thousands of beavers. Uh, um, I'm not even sure if we uh, over 100,000 beavers in Poland today. Um, and so these small numbers of beavers are fine, but they're, they're quite widespread. And there are parts of that river system where there is very fertile land very close to the river where the, uh, the the land has been drained and is now at a lower level than the river. So the river has been protected with banks and uh, the beavers have uh, the habit of burrowing into those banks. And then the next thing, the Scottish farmer, instead of having a hundred acres of wheat, has got a hundred acres of water and, and that is not good. And so, so there's, there's, a, there's a, a serious problem. Um, and, uh, uh, you know that the Scottish government was very, very slow to uh, step in on this, and so farmers started to shoot the beavers and this kind of thing. Anyway, the beavers have now been adopted as a as a a, a native animal in Scotland. Um, but I was going to say the critical thing is a farmer can get a license to go and shoot a beaver um, if if he needs to. Um, and yeah, in in one sense, that's quite a a, a natural uh, uh, way to go. But the point I would make is that the rest of Scotland, there are hardly any beavers at all. And we really need to have 
uh, them out in a lot more places. So wouldn't it be more sensible to catch those beavers when they get into places where they can make trouble, to capture them and move them on to, to, new, to new territories uh, in different rivers? Yeah, yeah. Especially that the relocating the beaver is much much easier than relocating an elephant, right? Oh, it completely. You know, and um, it's totally within our means. Um, it's a little bit more expensive than just shooting them because you've actually got to have the patience to catch them in a trap uh, and and find them in the trap uh, in good time and then transport it to somewhere where you can check out its health and everything and then move on. So so it's a little bit of cost involved, but it's not big and. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the value of the, of the beavers and what they do is so much higher than just a dead beaver. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, so if I get you correctly, so right now, uh, beavers in Scotland have, a, let's say, it, permission to live as a, as a wild species, and they can... They do, they, they but, do. But, but in England, they're, they're, they're not, they're not considered native fauna they're not considered native no they're still considered as, as a species which is not normally resident um and it's it's an anomaly um and the government really really needs to address that as an absolute minimum that has to be addressed um and, because and there is a there is a i presume like a like a, a fossil record or archaeology oh, God, yeah, yeah. record of beavers actually being native to England uh, and what's the one absolutely and not just a, a, not just fossils but also in writing as well you know r right into the um, 14th 15th and even 16th centuries there are written records of beavers and um, there are places um, around uh, the country where you can find um, uh, just through just through the land you can see where beavers have been in the past and created certain landscapes um, mm -hmm. You know, on my own farm, for example, we have a place where the stream is in a certain way. We say, well, how can that ever have been like that? Because it's too small to do that. So how did it ever get in that way um, a thousand years ago or, or whatever? And then, and the only th answer that we can find is beavers did it. So, um, you know, because they're the only ones who can do that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that... Um, uh, there is no shortage of evidence of them being here. Uh, and there is, I believe, I know we're not in the EU anymore, but when we were in the EU, uh, by law, I think we had to look at introducing all of the extinct species that we've lost over the years. Um, and beavers being one, you know, if we talk about rewilding, beavers like the entry-level rewilding, the gateway rewilding animal, because it's not going to eat your kids or, or, or kill your pet or anything. <laughs> like bringing wolves or bears back you know uh, so yeah, this, is, yeah. this is a big risk for us you know uh, yeah yeah this is and and look this is something that gets me uh even here in ireland where certain species that they're obviously present are classified as you know non-native or invasive in some sense and it's like it, it is i feel like it, this is just convenient right that that uh, and beavers, you, you mentioned that there are certain impacts that beaver uh, may have on farming and, and, and other industries that are, you know, let's say suboptimal. Um, and I think this is just a kind of convenience, right? Like, oh, we already got rid of them. 
So let's pretend they were never here and now they're like not native and whatever. And, and then you have to go through all this process. And, and this is, again, something that this is not the first time mentioned uh, on my podcast that specificity of islands like Great Britain and Ireland is like you need to physically by human hand, you know, bring beavers, cut them loose. They're, they cannot just you know, swim down the river from the next country and they're, oh, they're here, right? So each time, like you mentioned, like in Scotland, the beavers all of a sudden appear. It's like, oh, there's certainly someone done something that they, they, they're there. And this is make it so much more difficult to get these, these things going, right? Sure. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, I, think, I think there are some, some really um, deeply entrenched philosophical issues around this. Um, you know, people like to have control. Uh, um, farmers or farming uh, has um, an unduly heavy influence on government. I, I, I'm not saying it shouldn't have influence, but I think it, I think it is uh, out of balance, um, uh, really. Uh, I think that um, there is... There is no kind of um, holistic view of the environment. And we're going to learn. We're going to learn that we need that. Uh, in fact, we're learning it right now. Uh, and uh, um, a thing I often go on about is, is our, uh, our institutions, our government institutions, they are all kind of living in the 20th century. The people who, the people who run those are people my age. Um, and they trained in the in let's say the 80s, the 70s and 80s, uh, and so they've brought that that culture from then. They've brought it into now, and actually we need we need the culture of now here right now. Um, you know we're living in this emergency, and things that things are happening really, really, really fast. And our old-fashioned uh, kind of unduly cautious, um, uh, risk-averse way of of continuing. We haven't got time for that now. You know, uh, the, the, uh, if you like, the, the tiger of climate change, it's out of the cage now, and we better be doing what the hell we can to get it back in the cage. Or at least we can't get it back in the cage to protect ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I think beavers are, are, are a part of that. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're right, and, and you're not the first person to, to say on this podcast this is about the control and about, we, you know, we used to and, and kind of relinquishing uh, some of that, some of that control, and I, I completely agree that those big organizations, any big organization, and probably there is no organization as big as a government on any country, is like there's a there's a number of people who are uh, either scared of making a mistake or just 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 don't care. Like, why would I put my you know ass yeah. on the line and yeah. do something? I'm just that, that, exactly right. You know, if if you're a senior civil servant. You're coming towards the end of your career, but you're the man who makes decisions. You're coming towards the end of your career and there's a big pension coming up. Do I want to do anything to upset my chance of getting that pension? Um, now, th that might yeah. be seen as an unduly cynical uh, uh, of you, but there's no doubt at all that um, uh, if we take this issue, we are behaving as if, as if these animals are... Time bombs, you know, we, we, we're scared. Uh, 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 and actually, it's, it's too late for that because they're here 
And they are going to gradually increase in numbers very gradually, and they'll gradually spread very, very gradually. Now, now that we, we understand that here and what they do, and we know that climate change is here, and we know what that does, shouldn't we make that conscious, conscious decision, say, okay, this is a situation that uh, we can't control on this hand. What we can do there is we can make our, our landscape a lot more resilient by the reintroduction of this animal. So let's do it, shall we? And we can do it step by step. You know, you, you can't just magic 10,000 beavers from somewhere uh, uh, overnight, uh, not even from Poland. You know, you, could, you just can't do it. It takes time. But we could say, OK, let's have a campaign. Now, let's let's bring back uh, a beaver a day for the next 10 years. And we put them in places uh, very carefully chosen to be high priorities for, for all the, the reasons that we've talked about. Uh, and let, let, let's let's do that. And let's do it as if we think the emergency is real and that we need to do something about it. Yeah. So, so tell me. So, what what are the uh, are there any uh, campaigns that are going on at the moment? Any any initiatives that 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 uh, you guys, I mean, Beaver Trust, are are engaged? Like, what what's the? Because I presume you're you're working um, not only on these enclosures when you have beavers, but you also working, you know, trying to change the policy, I guess, and and and, and kind of make a impact. Yeah. No. Way. Absolutely. And um. um there are three main planks to our work, if you like. Um, one is on policy, which my um, CEO, who is James Wallace, he, he looks after, and he is, he is uh, almost constantly in, in direct um, communication with the uh, government, with uh, ministers and with senior civil servants. Um, so that's one. The next one is communications. Um, and these are my colleagues, Sophie and uh, Eva, and th they shout out are, to Eva who made this podcast possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and they they are constantly working on on um, uh, spreading the knowledge of this animal through the through the country through the population with films like Beavers Without Borders, but also working with schools and colleges and local communities and so on. And my uh, uh, job is uh, working directly with communities. Um, and landowners uh, to uh, get beavers back into more places. So um, uh, the, the example I'm going to tell you about, and it's one of several examples that we're working with, but this one is a particularly nice one. Uh, a, a, a council in a village which has serious flooding. They've had a lot of money spent in the village to make it safe with concrete, and it has not worked. Um, and and they came to me last year in, in December and said, "Could we, could we please get beavers back here? You know, could, could you help us to get beavers back?" And I said uh, to help with the flooding. I said, "Well, yeah, we could try, but how many farmers have you got who who would be prepared to tolerate beavers?" And they said, "Oh, one." So I thought, "Okay, we'll stop right there. Uh, if it's just one, we may as well not even bother. Really, it would just be it would just be a token, and um, uh, we're probably wasting our time." Anyway, they've now gone and got uh, a list of 23 farmers who live in the land above their village, and they're getting more all the time. Um, and uh, this is going to turn into a really interesting uh, uh, project where we have the community of the village speaking to the community of people who live in the land and matching their, their um, 
their needs and so on in order that we can solve this this problem or attempt to solve this problem using animals. And so far, we've got enough space to maybe bring back, instead of one pair, uh, four pairs. And I think by the time we've finished, it will be somewhere, I hope, I'm touching the table now very firmly, I hope uh, up to about 10 pairs maybe. Um, this, this, this would be a really, really significant uh, project. Yeah, yeah, and and is is that you know? So how what what are the views of actually uh, accepting the beaver as a wild animal in England? Because I presume that that project is also going to be kind of like an enclosure and oh, make sure they're not going to. Well, I, I, go I'm outside. hoping that we can. I hope this can be a very very big enclosure of thousands of hectares, um, not with a fence all the way around it, but maybe a fence. Uh, strategically by the river in some places so they can't just go through and go everywhere but um, um, uh, I I think you know the the government is working on this it takes a long time but they're working I I would think that we're going to end up in a uh, at a point in a uh, a year or two where the beaver is accepted as being a legitimate native species Right. I think right. we're going to get there. Mm. That's that's very good. Listen, I have a now I have a question uh, a little bit theoretical and a little bit in a in a fantasy land. Um, but I'm curious about you, right? So so we can qualify that, you know, as you will, as you like. We're not advocating that. We just we just this is just a just a fun thought exercise. There is no record of beavers in Ireland. Right, like uh, 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 there's no fossil, there's no bones found. Like, um, I personally always ask the question, similar like with the wild boar, when everything, you know, indicates that wild boar were in Ireland, but there's no bones found. But then, like, why would they not be here? And I'm, I'm asking the same question, like, why beavers would not be here since they were on the island of of, of Great Britain? But knowing that, um, and maybe. Parking, you know, keeping in mind, but parking the whole uh, societal conflict and everything, knowing that this is going to be. Do you think, again, as a pure fantasy, as if you were, you know, like a king of the world, would that be a good idea to bring, to try to reintroduce beavers to Ireland? Very theoretically, I know that that you that that you can say that I don't know specificity, but like on the yeah. thousand yeah. feet level, mm. Mm. is that something that that strikes you as a good idea, or maybe it's like, well, maybe they were actually never there. Maybe it's not a good idea. Yeah, um, I think that uh, Ireland, uh, in terms of its vegetation, is is not very different from Wales or Scotland. Um, I think it's been very heavily modified by human beings. Yeah, I think it's a um, similar situation. I think it's a yeah. similar situation, right? Yeah. They have a farmlands and so, a timber plantation. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess I guess uh, it's also been um, heavily... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the flooding situation is like uh, in little villages there. Maybe the places with flood, maybe not, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Flood and then let's make the concrete channels. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. So, well, yeah, m- maybe beavers would be a, a useful, a useful addition. Um, 
you know, it, I, th I think if if uh, if the vegetation was very different, I would question it. But I think the vegetation is nearly the same. That's to say, you've got vegetation which is very much adapted to being with beavers, in particular things like willow and alder and poplar. So uh, I, I don't I don't see there'll be any terrible ecological damage. And also the, the the kind of fish that you have will be adapted to beavers because there's the same, the same fish as we, we have. Um, yeah, I, I, I would think it would not be a particularly high risk uh, enterprise. Um, and, and, uh, and, and maybe it's something that should happen. Yeah, yeah. So eventually. to follow up, to so to follow up on that, if, if you would have to give one advice to any of such organization in Ireland, hypothetically, right? I, I don't think there is any at the moment. Hypothetically, there's a group of people who think like, hey, you know, it's a good idea uh, to get beavers, maybe in a closure like, like yourself, uh, and, you know, even to showcase, because it's all about showcasing the great results, right? Let's showcase what they can do and like, what would be your one advice to those people? Where to start? Would it be to start at the policy level and talking to politicians? Would it be at the level of, you know, get permissions, bring back beavers and, and cut them loose and on your land and see what's happened? Like, or maybe some more philosophical advice that, that you would give to that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I suppose, firstly, I, I don't really like giving advice to people in different places because it's it, it's it's not my place to do so. But but um, I always say this to my communities here. Listen, uh, I'm going to come and help you to try and facilitate your project, but it's always your project. So now, if 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 the if there was a determination to do it, um, I would say that uh, you would need to have uh, an ally in government. Uh, I think you need to have an ally. Uh, who's a landowner with, with a, a nice big piece of land uh, and to uh, fence it so that beavers couldn't disappear uh, either downstream or upstream uh, in any direction. Um, but a, a, a piece of land with plenty of the right kind of habitat uh, and then just put some beavers there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by ally, you, you mean like, I, I presume you mean someone specific person with with name rather than theoretical ally that then going to be swayed by the political winds in the, in the yeah, different yeah. direction. Yeah, I, 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 I think, uh, you know, something, we, we're only a very small organization ourselves, and, and I don't know how the the wildlife um, uh, sector is in, in Ireland. Um, uh, and we have to work through partnerships. You know, we haven't got millions of pounds. We could just say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna make a deal with this guy over here. We're gonna put a hundred million there." So we we just don't have that capacity. But what we can do is we can we can leverage our our, our knowledge and enthusiasm uh, and uh, and so on with people who want to reach certain uh, do certain things and reach certain aims. So we can if we can enlist those people at all the different levels. It, it could be it could be a local community who get flooding uh, uh, with local landowners who want to help um, uh, and uh, with uh, an NGO that is really into its wildlife and wants to try something. 
you know, and slowly build up a, 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 a project like that. And what I would say is that beavers are pretty easy to catch. Yeah, that's why they went extinct in the first place here. <laughs> so if, if we have, if, if there was something that was, if we discovered something that was deeply, deeply wrong with all this, yeah, and collect them up. Yeah, yeah, just reverse everything. Listen, Chris, thank you, thank you for that. Um, uh, can you can you tell us, you, you know, how to support your work uh, and how to support Beaver Trust for anyone who's listening to that and goes like, yeah, this is like a great thing, and and I would like to, you know, uh, maybe maybe give you those millions and millions of dollars or pounds, <laughs> or, or maybe just you know just a small donation. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, sure. Who, you never uh, know. Yeah, no, sure. Um, First of all, I'd uh, uh, invite you to our, our website. Um, there are some great movies on that website you can look at, um, and there's some great, great information about what's going on with beavers. Um, and you can meet some of the people that we work with uh, on there. Um, if you were able to uh, uh, make a donation, there's a, a donate button on the website, so you can do that uh, electronically. Um, but I think more than any of those things, is contact us and talk to us. You know, we're always really keen to talk to people who are interested and involved in this in this world and um, uh, and throw ideas around. And you know, we we, we say uh, every day is a school day. We're always learning, and and people are getting hold of us to talk about things. And and, uh, and we're getting a lot of information that way. And um, yeah, uh, talk to us. That is really really great. Right. Um, listen. Uh, thanks again for for your time. I think you 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 folks are doing an excellent job. And, thanks. You know, I, I I wish you all the best. And and um, you know, first and foremost, I think always in my head is like once we can get the policy right, in yeah. in in terms of recognizing that oh this animal should be there, uh, you know, then then automatically that opens the door for, for people who are willing to put the work to actually make sure it's there one more time. So uh, again, uh, great job. I wish you all the best. And um, yeah, thanks. Tommy, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we're going to meet and talk about Poland one day. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Bye-bye now.